0: This episode of The Swell Pod is brought to you in partnership with Kiln. Kiln provides flex office space for teams and individuals. Their all-inclusive set of amenities helps startups, creatives, and entrepreneurs alike get work done. Learn more about Kiln at kiln.co.
1: What does it take to create something that never existed before? What does it take to challenge the status quo? And what does it take to change the world? This is the Swell podcast. We're passionate about the seed of an idea and how it swells into a movement. Take a journey with us as we seek the answers to those three questions through the stories of thought leaders, world builders, game changers, disruptors, and other pleasantly rebellious humans who ventured into the unknown on a personal journey to do something novel, innovative, creative, and or disruptive. So we've got that out of the way. Josh, uh, who, do we have to, who do we have today uh, as a guest?
0: Yeah, in this episode, we're chatting with Bo Euler. Uh, Bo is a design entrepreneur and founder of Enlisted Design, where he works at the intersection, in his words, of business, data, and design to create product experiences for some of the world's most sought after brands. His work can be found today at the Museum of Modern Art, the Apple Store, Whole Foods, Target, Best Buy, and Amazon. For Bo Enlisted, great design is a collaborative process that encompasses branding, packaging design, industrial design, and user experience. It's a cohesive whole, and when it all comes together in the right way, brands can create their special connection that goes beyond affinity, advocacy, and loyalty to become a part of a person's identity. Recently, Enlisted joined pattern.com to create an industry-first approach that uses the soul of design and the science of data to create the right brand at the right time for the right customer. When he's not at the studio, you'll probably find both cycling, surfing, snowboarding, hiking, and exploring the world with his adventurous wife and kids. It was a good conversation, Spencer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I think uh, he just it made me think of a, a few things around just the importance of observing things, observing customers, observing problems. And this conversation, I think, gets into the meat of that. Um, and yeah, I... I <laughs> Actually, what I should have
0: said, Josh, is
1: can you write me a bio like that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good bio. I love his bio. But more importantly, if you go and look at the case studies on their website and the work that they've done, their work is mm-hmm. absolutely incredible and beautiful. You would know it, you know, if you if you bought an Allbirds, right, or an Arlo camera. Like there's so many examples of just the incredible work that they've done. Um, truly uh, just a, a fun conversation. Um, You know, especially when you're passionate about things like good design and good, good, good user experience. So
1: yeah, I remember turning to my son who was on YouTube watching Mr. Beast on YouTube, you know, and I said, I said, you know, we've just interviewed uh, Bo Bo, who is helping Mr. Beast, you know, create an incredible brand. Yeah, 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 exactly, and I I love that, and I like what he says. In fact, around just to all of his customers, you know, this is this is going to be expensive, but we're going to do an incredible job for yeah. your for your for your brand so and yeah. i think
0: i think um you know bo has been super kind with us we've had this we've had this episode in the can for a little while you know um he was so keen for it to get out as we all are because it was a great conversation we hope that we're actually going to follow up with bo and maybe get him on the podcast again to kind of bridge some uh some gaps in time frame from when this episode was recorded and and kind of what's happening with him now but i don't know spencer anything yeah, yeah say about that
1: well, I think we are. We're interviewing him next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so you'll hear basically a part two uh, with yeah. Bo, which is going to be really awesome because they've done a ton of stuff since um, with their business and with with new companies and and some really great uh, social goods work as well. So yeah, enjoy the episode today.
0: Yeah, be sure to like and subscribe and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll like it now.
0: There you go. All right. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you cool. for being a part of the uh, the yeah, Swell podcast. Um, Josh. Do you do you want to just give a quick um, description of what Swell is? Yeah. So,
0: I'll, um, and then we'll get into a question first. Uh, so, we look at this idea that the culture within organizations, you know, if you're not careful, it, it unintentionally evolves over time. Yeah. You know, and so kind of our position is that you know, you can deliberately and proactively, intentionally design your culture. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's kind of what we look at. We look at the the entire employee experience, the the journey of an individual employee to help intentionally build uh, a business's culture that aligns with their vision and their strategy. So that that can look like experience, it can look like content, Mm -hmm. uh, rituals, symbols, various different things, but all of this adds together to create this uh, kind of comprehensive journey of Of change and transformation. Yeah, yeah.
2: interesting. Yeah. Okay, Well, That's thank great. you for
1: being here. And, yeah. uh, what, I want to kick it off and just ask you: <clears throat> when you first, when did you first fall in love with design?
2: So, my my, my grandparents, my Calif- my family for generations is from California, uh, mostly Southern, but I grew up in Central Coast, and we would go stay with my grandparents in LA, and my grandpa had this amazing wood shop like the size of this room. And it was back behind their house in East LA. And so I'd go stay with them for pretty long periods of time. And uh, and we would just make stuff, just make things. Like you'd just say, what do you want? You know, what do you want to make? And then we would go out and make it. And I think that was my first, kind of as a kid, uh, first introduction into design, right? Because you get to make decisions. What does this thing look like? How do you use it? How do you hold it? How do you use it and, and enjoy it? Um, and uh, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I learned that he uh, was an industrial designer. I knew yeah. that he taught at, uh, at a college in LA, that he taught design, but I'd never heard the words ID industrial designer until I went to school, told my grandparents that I was going to, to the academy for industrial design, and they just laughed. And, and, I, and I was like, what? And my grandma's like, well, what do you think your grandpa's taught for the last 30 years? That's industrial design. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know it, That it was kind of taught, you know, from
0: the time I was five years old. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, I love that.
2: Was
0: there there anything specific that you remember making in that shop? Yeah. Guns. Yeah?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a gun person, (laughs) but um, we'd always make, like, you know, rubber band guns and whatever. Like, I probably made five, ten different, you know, pop guns, rubber band guns, different stuff like that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's awesome you and sell? then puzzles
2: too we would do we would like it, it, we would take like this big sheet of ply and then like draw a picture throughout the week or whatever that's there and then we would cut out a jigsaw puzzle on the bandsaw so he'd cool. teach me how to like make you know forms and stuff and yeah. then yeah. go home i wondering
1: with how it. you uh, marketed that and made some money because i did something similar with one of my sons but uh, how did you feel then like right then it sounded like it sounds like it's a really positive credible memory right for oh for you. sure what yeah. did, how would you actually describe it
2: Describe the memory yep. of making. Yeah, um, just like to have a, a room full of tools to learn how to use those tools, and then to be able to go and create something. Right, that that's powerful. Um, and I, I've, I've thought about this a lot over the years. Where you know, especially now in kind of current culture, there's a lot of people who will say they're designers, and they're not, um, but they're amazing curators. Mm. Right, great style, fashion, lifestyle, product, whatever it is, like they curate really, really well. And I would say the vast majority of celebrities or influencers are really talented curators. But that's not a designer. A designer is, is someone who can take nothing and make something of that, that's like it. create it from nothing.
0: That's really interesting. So, because um, this is a theme that's come out actually in some of our other episodes, okay. uh, the idea of cur- curating you know whether it's two different things putting them together and ultimately creating something new so in your in you know from in your opinion is there an element of design though that says if i take this and this and i mm-hmm. curate them together mm-hmm. as 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 an experience i guess or Absolutely. as a combination of the two mm-hmm. it's just a different form of design or, or i don't know yeah i think it's a
2: different depth of design yeah. because you're right I and mean, you have people who are you know interior designers they're not designing the products themselves the furniture themselves they're they're curating and designing an overall space or an overall experience, mm. and that's cool, right? It's definitely design, but when you look at that next layer of depth, and it's somebody who is you know, looking into the world of a consumer, and then able to create something that doesn't exist today that solves the needs of that consumer or brings that consumer joy, then there's that like that intangibility, yeah. right? It's like. The, the difference between somebody who can curate an amazing Pinterest boards of things that exist or somebody who can start with a blank sheet of paper and create something yeah. from it you know draw something out that
0: you've never seen before is that is that what I guess really m- makes you tick the idea of that nothingness and, and and just having to forge through I guess that unknown mm-hmm into something that is completely new and novel, and just, yeah, yeah I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's so scary. Yeah. It's so
2: scary to look at a white sheet of paper <laughs> and have a deadline and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. what does this need to be, right? But it, the thing is is that it's not art, right? It's design, and right. there's a big difference between art and design. An artist can come and, and sketch something beautiful or paint something beautiful or, or sculpt something beautiful that's a, it's a one-off, It's one piece of expression and design is very different from that because we pull from data we pull from insights we pull from uh, market trends and from that we then begin to create an experience mm-hmm. through this product or through this packaging or through this brand that ultimately the consumer is going to going to engage with right and that's and then we produce this thing that goes into mass production into the thousands and millions of units that needs to you know hit a certain bomb target and mm-hmm. a and a you know a, a business goal and so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like this impossibility to look at that clean sheet of paper and then to start like analyzing and sifting and, and filtering all of the data, all of the inputs to be able to create just the right thing. Yeah. And that's exciting.
0: Yeah. We actually, in a, in a previous episode, we, have, we had a, a data artist. His name was Brendan Dawes, and he had work in MoMA, had, cool. had a, this thing called the, what was it, the Happiness Project. Yeah like this typewriter up at Sundance. Oh, yeah, yeah. B&B, yeah. You know about uh-huh. that? Yep. Yeah. And and he always goes back as an artist he's like, "Well, I'm really trying to I think leave people with some questions." Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting based off of what you just said, you know, I think what you're really looking at is I think solving problems and giving yeah. people answers in the simplest, most enjoyable, best experience you possibly can. Yep.
2: I like I like yeah, that. For sure, and those experiences can inspire people. Yeah. Right? And that's like I think that's the purpose of of a brand is to inspire somebody to you know be great do great express
0: themselves in in great ways yeah so it from a, I'm interested in the next level the next level shit right yeah I think um, so how did it go from for you you know from this idea of you know learning you know finding this passion in industrial design mm-hmm. and this idea of kind of starting from the blank slate you know mm-hmm. and 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 then ultimately how did it become for you that next level shit thing? Mm-hmm. Like where did that come from? Where did next level shit come from? Well, or not, where did the whole where like did it come from, bringing like, it all together come from? Yeah, you, or your your association with the idea of next level shit to design. Has it always yeah. been just for you it just been this typical thing that I, when I put my mind to this thing and I, and I and we create this thing whether it's you know before enlisted all the way up into enlisted, it's yeah. always just you found that as a common theme, it's always that next level shit. Yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
2: so there's so there's a downfall in next level shit. Okay. A downfall is is the mentality or appetite um, that really becomes a pitfall at times of it's never enough. Right? It's never enough. Like it's never enough for me. Mm. I have this insatiable desire for all things. Yeah. And and I have a very hard time in my personal life monitoring. The right amount of things mm. for a period of ten years. Um, I weighed and measured on a digital scale every single food item that I ate, really? because I couldn't figure out the right amount of food. Mm. Okay, <laughs> and I used to weigh almost three hundred pounds, and so I was I was I struggled with it, and then I learned to like weigh and measure my food, which then helped me weigh and measure my life, and. And and the correlation there is that it's really hard for me to to not get trapped in this. It's never good enough. Right. And so the next level shit is so so first of all, that's kind of our slogan at yeah. enlisted, right? Like we have pins and stickers and when you neon walk in. Signs, right? Yeah, so you've seen the neon sign. <laughs> so you walk into the studio, instead of it being branded enlisted, right? It's just you walk in, there's this big neon sign that says next level shit. And and what that is, is that's a practical application of our insatiable desire for more for deeper for better mm-hmm. right constant improvement and so it's always like that's the level of like is it next level like is this concept next level is this client that's reaching out to us next level are they looking to change a category or create a category mm-hmm. then it's next level right or is or are they is it a brand that's become stagnant and we can help them achieve that next level whether it's in a you know in a consumer mindset or as a business what can we do to help them achieve that next level? And the way that that came about was in a design review one night, and it was probably eight or nine o'clock. We had you know, four or five people around a computer, and, and we were all kind of um, dissatisfied with the work that we had done. And we had worked hard, like we had done the process. We'd gone through the enlisted you know, process, and yet we still weren't there with the concepts that, that we knew were gonna be right. And, and that's where it came out. I was just like, no, it needs, to be like, it needs to be like next level. Like it's next level shit that, that like everybody's excited about. Yeah. Like that's what it needs to be. And it was kind of this moment where we're all kind of like, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then that designer that I was working on after the deadline and we presented and, and nailed it, right? It went well. She then created this graphic of next level shit. We made a neon sign. It was probably eight years ago, nine years ago. And that kind of just became our, our standard mm. more than anything.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I just, I I also just like this idea of, yeah, it's, it's striving for that undefinable in the moment, I think. And, and you don't like, there is an element of not having the answer for that, but the idea of we're going to take that journey and figure that out together. Yeah. That next level. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So, um, do you have a, you have a question? No, no. Okay. (laughs) I would just say that the next level thing applies for,
2: for everything too, right? Like what is the next level of collaboration with our clients? You know, how do we bring them into our process and they bring us into their business? What's the next level for an industry, a category, a brand, a business? Like, it applies to everything. What's you, what's the next thing? We have reviews, um, internal reviews for our team members. Like, what's the next level for you? Mm. What are you striving for yeah. in and outside of enlisted? Yeah. right. It's like, it's always that striving for the next level. Yeah.
1: It sounds like that's become, I don't know if it's a value, but it's not a value, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back, actually, to when you first uh, did, I think, a 3D video, right? met someone at, a, at your local church.
2: Yeah. And yeah. they
1: gave you an opportunity. Um, at that point, it maybe wasn't next level, but it was taking you to the next level, For right? sure. Venturing into the unknown, which you sure. talked about. Uh, so maybe that that next level has always been kind of sim- simmering yeah, as definitely. you've gone along. And it just dawned on you right Mm -hmm. then, this is what we need to do. It became really clear. Um, uh, There's a couple of things I'm thinking of, Josh. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is, um, you you talk about, uh, I've read that you talk about the experience is super important, so Mm -hmm. any agency, any company can kind of do great stuff, but can they give a client an incredible experience, Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering, I mean, it's, it sounds like that has helped you ask at every level, at every touch point with the client, not just their customers, but mm-hmm. the actual client that you're working with, mm-hmm. what can be next level about this experience. I'd love to know, like, a couple of examples of where you've, like, the de- like the detailed kind of touch point that you've introduced into the experience with your clients. Yeah. And then I maybe bridge into possibly how that has impacted, you you're expecting a team and uh, building a, a, a very talented team that has that same mindset, mm-hmm. the DNA inside the culture of your organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, does that Does that match your extraordinary experience externally? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you doing that internally? But yeah, the first one is more about like the experience of the customer. Can go down this avenue? That or sounds great, a yeah. yeah.
0: No, it's a great question. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, just to even add on to that, which yeah. I, I don't know if I should, but I'm also, I, I'm also interested in this idea of, um, does that attitude influence the clients that you work with. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Okay. yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Because yeah. you look at our client list, and we're all over the map. Like we are, right? And, and some people will look at a studio, and they, oh, they just do tech. Mm-hmm. Or they just do sneakers. Or they just do, you know, this thing. That's not us. Mm-hmm. And it's never been us, on purpose. Because our filter is less about, oh, we do this one thing perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's more about uh, what categories do we want to come in and revolutionize. Yeah. That's really exciting. So when a pet company reaches out to us, a pet food company, and they're like, hey, pet food is stagnant. Nothing's changed in 20 years. And we want to change the category. We want a food revolution like Jamie Oliver did in 2010. We want to do that in pet. To me, that's so exciting. Like, let's just – it's like Steph Curry. Like, let's ruin the game. Like, let's, let's go in and just change a category. And so you know we do that, like we we and we like to come in and be first into a category. Um, And so you look at some of our clients like Nestle or Purdue Chicken or doing work with Smithfield Meats right now, where it's like, well, why would you work with a big bad CPG you know farming company like that? Because nobody's created a better experience Mm. in that category. And then you and then you contrast that with some of the really cool brands that we work with, right? With like the Allbirds and the Stances and And how do you help them like achieve that next level of maturity or that next level of brand refinement or that next level of like uh, of the delivery of a, of an experience right to their consumer and so you know i I think that um yeah I, I, for us it's like going in and, and and disrupting you know or or revolutionizing a category is really important to us and really fun so that that gives us a filter of who we're gonna work with. Yeah. That's right, great. like we're not an extension studio. People will come to us and like, oh no, no, we have a design language, we just want you to extend it into these three products or whatever. And we're like, meh. Come to us when you're ready to launch a new sub-brand and then we can come create a strategy around that, create the products for that sub-brand, create the branding, the identity, the packaging, the launch, the experience. That's where we thrive the most.
0: Yeah.
1: How much, I know, and there's probably a couple of other questions that I could go back to there, but um, how much exploration do you do to discover the right type of disruption you want to ta- attack? Mm. I mean, I know that you probably don't do much advertising. People come to you word of mouth. Yeah, we don't you do any advertising. You ha- have a certain criteria to figure out <laughs> whether they're ready to, to do yeah. the next level um, work, But you, but how much exploration do you go out and find these categories that you'd like to address?
2: um we do to some degree i would say you know business development is tricky for us we, we really don't uh do proactive business development. It's all relationships it's all clients that we've worked with um you know like the client that i i mentioned reached out last night that came from an introduction from another client mm. right like that. that's just kind of how it happens or they read an article or listen to a podcast and you know awards are big for us like that that brings people in but we don't, yeah, I mean, it's it's not so much that we're like, oh, we really want to work in furniture. And so we are going to hound Herman Miller until they let us in their door. Like, that's just not our style. Like, we're doing what we do. We're changing categories. We're elevating brands. We're creating new brands. And if a company or a brand has an appetite for that type of work, they they find us.
1: Got it. And, and so for... Go down the wrong avenue here you' have to stop me in a no, got social yeah. good stuff so yeah you, clearly as the work comes in you, you're trying to f- solve a real problem a yeah. real human problem and yeah and sometimes you don't actually know what that problem is necessarily or the human impact mm-hmm. until you work through the you know, yeah. the, the process yeah. um, are there are some maybe this can come toward the end, but what what where would you like to make impact human impact
2: so okay, so two thousand 17, we worked with a company out of Tanzania, um, Zola, and it's a, um, it's a it, it, they're, they've brought an electric power grid, solar power grid to villages that have no infrastructure throughout Africa, and that was a changing point for us. It was like 2000, 2016, 17, mm-hmm. because it was our first project really doing something in social good, mm-hmm. where it was creating a w- very well-designed product and a very well-designed experience for people who have less than any of us can fathom, right? Um, the user, the the user testing was interesting. We'd send concepts over, and the feedback would come back between, you know, which concept do you do? Are you drawn to and why? And they'd be like, "I've never had electricity before. I'm happy." That's <laughs> like that was the kind of feedback. So it's like we we had, from a design, aesthetic design, we had to kind of drive that our, ourselves to some degree. Um, but that was our first foray into kind of into social good. Um, from there, we've we we have made a pivot where we've focused on on a number of different social good uh, uh, programs. Whether it's um, female empowerment, we have a, a new and um, kind a of health and beauty brand that's going to be launching this summer uh, called Sadie B. And they're they're based here in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you'll learn a lot more about that. It's backed by some really um, strong players, and it's two teenage girls who are sick of um, just the rhetoric of just beauty, beauty, beauty. Yeah. Use these products so the boys will like you. And it's mm-hmm. like I'm way more than that. Mm-hmm. And so they're creating a brand. We're creating a brand together. Um, and 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 we've come in as an investment partner with them to create a brand to empower girls who are, who are there to get shit done. You know the, the cool girls that's who are amazing, like are getting it done. Yeah. And so um and so that's really fun. We're also working with a company out of, um, Nairobi. Do you guys know who Chris Saka is? He, he's he's, one of the, he's like been a guest on Shark Tank and he's uh, one of the early um, investors in you know, a lot of the big San Francisco tech companies. Um, so he and his wife um, have created a fund that is only for world-changing ideas. Mm. And so we've become kind of their design agency. We're working on a project right now that is absolutely mind-blowing. So check this out. So three billion people in the world use charcoal every day To cook three meals a day. Okay. It takes about an hour to cook each meal. Okay? Charcoal, like they so in Kenya, they harvest wood, they take trees, they cut the trees down, they they dig a big hole, they bury the trees, and they smoke the the tree, the wood, out to make charcoal. Then they take that into town and they sell it in these paint buckets, empty paint buckets. And it's killing the environment. It's literally killing people, both lungs and fire hazards, okay, because you've got millions of people who live in in these ghettos. Now, ghetto in, in Kenya is a different word. Like, that's just the name of the neighborhood, okay? It's not a derogatory term. Um, and so, what this company, this Krisaka backed um, company is doing um, is they are creating a cold-pressed wood pellet and a stove that can burn these pellets and gasify the pellets. So, it's not a... A heat flame that comes out it's a heat heated gas mm. that comes out and it's completely safe you can cook indoors in your little shanty no fire, like no fire no um, you know no threat mm. no threat to the environment and it's the same price as charcoal wow. so what are they doing they're using carbon offsets to pay for the stove to give the stove to consumers for free and then the consumers buy the pellets so we had the opportunity to come in and be an investment par- partner in this, in this new venture. We're designing, we're creating the brand right now, or the launch, uh, the, the store, you know, uh, kind of shopping experience, which has never really been thought of in that market. Yeah. Um, the, you know the, All of the visual identity, all of the kind of mission, vision values, the um, packaging, the stove industrial design itself. Um, and it has the potential to change the lives of billions. Of and that's powerful yeah. because at this rate, Kenya is going to be deforested by 2030, completely deforested mm. by 2030. And then what? <laughs> and then what? Yeah. That's pretty. So incredible. that kind of project is next level, right? Yeah. That for us, that's like, that's something where we're just like, we're in. That's amazing. We're in, no, made let's
1: do me, it. It made me, it, I felt something then because m- mainly that I, I was, uh, I s- served a, a mission in South Africa. Oh, cool. Uh, and we used to visit a hospital where children would die, have di- died and, and just about surviving, just yeah. about by from fires. Yes. Cooking. Yes.
2: it's exactly what I'm talking about. In their houses
1: or outside the house, whatever. But yeah. you know, that, that's um, it's a massive impact. That's yeah. yeah. So you had a question.
2: No, no. Yeah. No, And I saw that there. I mean, I sat in somebody's home. They had a little couch about this size. The woman was cooking on her stove, three children, single mother. And this was their whole house, this little yeah five by five, right? And, um, and she had this massive burn scar down her chest mm-hmm. and was talking about, and, and shared with us that her nephew had died from a, a fire, from a stove fire. And we came and brought a prototype to her and to watch her eyes light up to be able to cook in half the time, mm-hmm. right? So now she can go out and work another half an hour to support her family Half an hour times three, another hour and a half every day mm. to be able to go and support her family better and to do it safely and to not have any... Like, what's the loss? There's no loss. It's just it's a net-net net game. making
1: it an effortless experience. Yeah,
2: it? and it's creating a micro-economy of people mm. on the ground there that are selling pellets, wood pellets. Mm. And so it's, 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 it's a win-win across the entire I thing.
1: They're ex- they're, I mean, they're ecstatic about it, right? Yeah. But, like, they must... Blowing their minds, how, like, where did this come? I mean,
2: blows their minds. Just out of nowhere, right? Yeah. They were
1: using just base materials, just, right? Just tree, charcoal. Um, yeah. Charcoal. Um, how close do you get to, or what is your method to kind of, uh, it sounds like you were there to observe, right? And to watch. Yeah. And what, what, what Can you talk of just basic kind of methodology for our listeners, mm-hmm. the approach that you take in design? Yeah, really close to the problem.
2: So as close as possible, right? So when we take on a a brand um, or a design project, we want to live with, experience, be on the ground with the people, not so much the company itself. Like yes, company culture is important. You know, key stakeholder interviews, it's all important. But we want to be in their lives, and so we've spent um, weeks on farms Mm. with them. OK, we spent I went to Nairobi during COVID, flew out there and spent a week with them in the ghettos in like with the people watching them cook, eating their meals, like just, you know, experiencing their life. To be able to capture those little sparks, those little nuances of the pain points that they suffer, that they don't even know that they're suffering. OK, and then to be able to start thinking through, making notes. Um, here's what we could do to make their lives better here's how we could design this product so that it's a joy to use and if you don't like if you don't get in the minds of the consumer well especially sorry what were you about to say no that that you got to get in the mind of the consumer to be able to solve the real problems yeah because there's this idea that design is just like make things pretty and that that's so discrediting oh yeah right it is and it and it sure we're going to make it know pretty or or desirable or whatever but really it's about like getting into the mind of the consumer so that we can we can solve those those needs and those unexpected you know desires
1: really maximizing that the
2: mm-hmm. impact yeah right? and I loved
1: how you said see problems that they can't even see yeah mm-hmm. uh,
0: that's interesting yeah. you know
1: well, they don't we, even know it's there because they, they, they don't know they don't know what they don't know
2: exactly and most people accept things at face value to some degree right or they say oh this could be so much better but they don't have the tools or the know-how how how to make something better and so people just accept you know how things are Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of being in the field that we're in is that we get to create the future Mm -hmm. of everything right and and it's up to us to create that better future and those those future experiences
0: yeah yeah it's interesting because i think um even going back to where we started this whole this whole conversation, the idea of uh, curation or, or, or design from mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. and um, it goes back to that next level stuff, right I think that the way that you jump into different markets, whether it's security cameras or or, mm-hmm. or, or what you what, those examples that you just gave, uh, like it's like I don't know if you can do it any other way because like, you can't either. rest on what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So there has to be that thing that pushes you into, Learn, like, I imagine culturally and your designers and everybody that works at Enlisted, mm-hmm. they have to be able to be comfortable not resting on the things that they're already great at. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And and I think being as close as yes. you can be to the, it just helps you say, okay, I'm willing to go out and, and do something that I've never done before Yeah, to create something that's never been done before yeah. for this problem that's never been solved before. Yeah, It's interesting. It takes a great um, deal of
2: comfort in discomfort yeah yeah you have to be there yeah. and actually i was joking yesterday i was on a call with one of my employees who's been at enlisted for six years and um and she was she was joking she's joking around like what's next yeah. like well i mean i was like <laughs> you know we just had the acquisition last year we opened enlisted slc the year before and she's just like oh don't bs me as if you're gonna stay as as if you're going to like stay still for the next year and i'm like you know I'm going to be focused on what we're doing, but like that that element that of like of discomfort of what's next, what's new, let's jump in is really uh stimulating for me and for the majority of of the team yeah. at enlisted
1: yeah I'm pretty certain this is given i think our listeners a such a good insight into the importance of just getting close to the customers. Mm-hmm. I think you know the smaller companies and startups I think they probably understand that maybe more so than corporates, but sometimes corporates. Struggle to, they might say they believe it, mm-hmm. but have they got the time, the sacrifice to observe, yeah. to watch? To, they just, there's an urgency of survival, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, I guess you're blessed to be. I don't know if your clients ever push back to, to, to know, <laughs> you know, why do you need to do that? Why, why do you need to yeah. spend this time? Um, yeah, some do. Do, you, do. you get some of that? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Some do. So some of the pitfalls that happen, so big corporations actually do spend a lot of time and money in um, research and consumer validation. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot. Um, but it's with a slightly different purpose. So with startups and more nimble companies, generally the the user research happens up front when we're starting to understand the consumer, their behaviors, um, and their kind of their rituals mm. so that we can design the right experience. Whereas some of the larger corporations will design the experience and then spend their time validating mm. those experiences so that they can validate it up the chain. Okay. Stakeholders, right? Correct. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we can bring to the table is the right blend of both of those experiences, both of those side of the process, right? Where at at the beginning, let's really understand the consumer and what they need. Let's help the brand tell their story in a meaningful, authentic way. Mm -hmm. And then let's validate it with consumers, learn from them. And sometimes it's the same consumers. Mm -hmm. So we'll go into people's homes or now, you know, Zoom interviews in people's homes and we'll learn from them and their rituals. We'll then go and design and come back to those same consumers. Say, here's what we heard, here's what we've created. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, that's it. Or they'll be like, no, that's not really what I meant. What I was thinking would be nice is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it's just so you learn on both sides of that. Yeah. So great when you listen, when, when
1: someone really understands that, mm-hmm. that you understand, you know, yeah. it's that. Exactly. They say exactly what they say. Spot on. Yeah. I mean, the, you now understand what I mean. And I like that your point around the, the importance of that balance mm-hmm. um, between, I don't know whether it's, I don't know, I might have got this wrong, but, you know, kind of innovation and, and process. I mean, you, you're trying to do both
0: mm-hmm. uh, all sure. the time. And you mentioned, uh, well, what's a trend right now, you, you know, is designers being brought to the table, I think, within organizations much more, I think. And, and I think there is that. Stereotype that's being broken right now about it's more than just pretty, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. you know, I mean, Envision in, in as a company released a book helping designers mm-hmm. become better at talking business or better yep. existing within businesses, right? And and I think that's a lot of what you're talking about right there. And if I was just to ask, what else, if you could advocate for that, you know, like help people understand why bringing designers into into strategy, mm-hmm. into into systems, and and various things like that, like that, like what Yeah, just advocate for that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I I think that I love that trend. It's been happening for a while, Mm -hmm. in in fairness, right? I mean, you know, Bob Bruner 10 years ago was was the first one that I knew of to say, you know, designers need to earn a place at the table. Mm. But what he said about earning a place is really important. So it's not just a matter of, oh, in order to be cool today or to be, you know, whatever, like, you need to have a CDO or a CCO or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, we need to earn our place there and in order to earn for designers to earn their place at the business table we need to have we need to understand how design impacts business Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of decisions that go into the design process in order to impact positively or negatively the business and so you need to be smart about it yeah and you need to educate you know designers need to educate themselves uh on um you know on business itself like Mm. We, so we have a book club at the studio, and we uh, have, yeah, I wouldn't say it's monthly, but maybe every other month we have a, a book uh, that we'll read, and then we'll discuss it. And guess what? They're not design books, mm-hmm. right? They're business books. They're business strategy books. They're process books.
1: It's a balance again,
2: then. Absolutely, right? It's that balance. And so, um, yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing is that we need to earn our place there, Um, And any time that a company comes to us and they're like, hey, we want to work with you, we're going to do this thing, and we'll quote it out and everything, um, we can tell a lot about the company and the way that they respond, right? It's like, oh, it's too expensive, or oh, it's too long, or oh, it's too whatever. You can learn a lot about the value that they put on design Mm -hmm. and the way that they see it. And so sometimes we'll engage with a company like that to help to infuse a design culture Mm -hmm. into their company. And other times we'll run for the hills. You know, it just depends on, on the opportunity. Um, but what we do specifically is bring our clients. We were usually, you know, MBAs or marketers, CMOs, CEOs into our design team and, and make them kind of an honorary member of the design team. Likewise, once we build that relationship and trust, they bring us into the business team, even on a client level. So that's much easier to do when you're in-house, because right? you're part of the, the infrastructure. Yeah. But when you're an agency, it's a little bit harder to mm-hmm. do because you're not in the business. Um, but we've been really successful at it. We, we, I remember years ago, we had this when, when we, we kind of started with the idea of Enlisted, it was about enlisting our clients into our design process and them enlisting us into their business goals mm-hmm. and objectives. And that's why we named it Enlisted. Mm-hmm. And one of our very first clients was a, a brand manager at um, Nestle. And we had this two-day workshop to create a new brand, okay? And they showed up. The Nestle team showed up the first day. And the the senior brand manager, the person who was in charge, she was on her laptop most of the day. And we were kind of struggled through this workshop. By the end of the day, she got it. It kind of clicked for her Mm -hmm. what we were doing to try to bring her into the design process. The next day, she shows up to the studio dressed in all black. She put her laptop away. And she goes, I'm here to be a designer. <laughs> I'm like, nice. now you get it. That's awesome. Right? And she and I still work together often. We're, we're good friends. And so, um, you know, that's it, right? It's like bringing them into the process. They understand that, that it's not magic, right? It's creative, but it's, it's, it's not magic. Um, and, and then likewise, we can come in and show how design will improve their business, grow their business, Because ultimately, if you design it right and you meet the consumer's needs or or exceed the consumer's expectations, then they're going to buy the product. Yeah. And when they buy more product, the business grows.
0: Yeah, I love that. If um, I don't know if we want to jump into pattern right now, but I'd be interested to know because, so especially because of COVID, you know, I I I think we heard at some point there was a a, like e-commerce jumped ten years into the future, right? Mm -hmm. And. Um, so which maybe, is very true yeah so maybe you could talk about like what what happened with mm-hmm. pattern where yeah. you guys are at right now but ultimately i think as you think about the that that holistic experience that entire experience and how are you thinking about that now mm. you know through you know working with pattern and all of their their, their partners and brands yeah are you talking yeah. about the journey as well uh yeah, yeah the journey yes for the yeah, audience yeah the journey listening. or the strategy the journey or both? and i guess yeah, okay. both, whatever, whatever you want. Well,
2: let me share a bit about the journey first so yeah. can talk about how it came to be. Um, the journey actually started a long time ago before I had ever even heard of pattern, before pattern ever even started, yeah. okay? Um, the, the, the journey began when I was in school at the Academy of Art in San Francisco studying industrial design. And um, what I realized by my third and fourth year was that industrial design is super important. And when you go to ID school, you live and breathe ID. I mean, you're working 100 hour plus weeks, like everybody's all in. So mm-hmm. to put it in perspective, I started with 150 students in my class. 11 of us graduated. Wow. That's how rigorous it is, okay? And, and so <laughs> it's, um, so what I realized was industrial design is one very important part of a brand, but it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Even though they're telling you it's everything, It's not, and a lot of studios act like it's Mm. everything. It's one very important part. So what I realized was, oh, the brand, like the visual identity, the packaging, the in-store experience, like all of this has to come together to create one thing. And so even when I was in school, you'd come in for my end of semester, end of year, whatever presentations and... I would have like an entire in-store experience built out where they would walk into my like mock crate and barrel and there would be packaging mock-ups like, as if they were real packs on the wall. And I would, um, and, and you'd have my models that you could come up and use like the product, the pack, the brand, like that experience. And so when I went and you know, I worked at a, a great studio in San Francisco as lead designer there and it was just focused on industrial design, I kept missing that element mm-hmm. of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And so when I launched Enlisted, um, my first hires weren't industrial designers. Right? They were branding, strategists, visual oh, designers, graphic designers, so that we could begin to bring cohesion to the overall brand experience. Um, so then you go, okay, well, it's great. So now we're 10 years in, right, The 12 years in, and we've got this down. Like, we've got just an incredibly talented you know, brand team and packaging design team and production team and industrial design team, like UX team, like, okay, we got that, that cohesion, we can offer that to our clients. What's next? Well, what's next is selling the product. It's e-commerce or it's just commerce in general, whether that's brick and mortar or, or e-commerce. And so we started thinking about like, well, how do, we, how do we bring that cohesion and apply that to the bigger, bigger picture of not just creating the brand and the product, but getting it into consumers' hands. And that's the marketing, It's the sales, it's the, it's the commerce. And so I uh, had the opportunity last January, so year, a little over a year ago, to speak at Silicon Slopes on how to create a meaningful brand. So I invited some of my friends from uh, different companies to come up and, and kind of hold a panel. So we did that. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. I think they gave us like 300 seats, like 600 people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so people were like on the floor, sitting, like it was really fun. That's cool. Um, and then I had, I had a client there, and I just uh, – so I stayed in the room, and we listened to the next thing, which was, like, digital e-commerce or data and something, right? And I was like, sure, sure I'll you know, check it out. I want to learn. And this guy, Dave Wright, gets up on stage, okay? And he gets up, and he's awesome. He, he, he gets up, and he's just like, well, so I'm probably the biggest nerd in the room, and I'm just <laughs> like, dude, this guy's owning it. <laughs> this guy's awesome, and then he goes into about how he, he uses data to understand what consumers are searching for. And I'm like, well, wait, that's what we, that's what we do. But we do it live rather than through data. I want to learn how to do it through data. He's like, and then once we mine this data, we then go out and find the brands that they're looking for. And we, we gain exclusivity to become their e-commerce you know, solution. And we, we buy those products from them. And then we sell them on our platform. And they see, generally speaking, a 40% revenue growth from that. And I'm just like, oh, I need to introduce this guy to all of my clients. Because this is like, this is it. This is the future of commerce. Mm. And so afterwards, um, there was this long line of people, like 20, 30 people waiting to talk to him. Um, and I just stood on the side, just waited. And then he turned to me. Uh, and, and, and I was like, hey, I'm Bo. I just spoke before you. He's like, yeah. So some of my VPs were in yours. Um, I think we need to talk. <laughs> and I'm like, Dave. Like, dots you, connected, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the stars aligned. And I was just like, dude, tell me, tell me, tell me that you're thinking about launching your own brands. And he's like, yeah, we've been thinking about that. And I'm like, that's what I do. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. And so we, I went to maybe a month later or so, a few weeks later, went to Pattern thinking that this would be a great partnership, mm-hmm. right? Because I have no intentions of being acquired. Like I had had conversations with Google in the past, with other agencies in the past, not interested. Uh, so we went in and we, we kind of did this co-pitch thing of how could we, you know, how could we do this thing? And after he, he we were in the conference room with the C-levels for like two hours. And then after that, he's like, Bo, come to my office, we need to talk. And immediately he was just like, I have to have enlisted, like enlisted needs to be part of pattern. I'm like, dude, thank you so much. But really, like not interested, like not playing hardball, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very unique culture and I, I want this mm. to, to continue to grow. And he's just like, oh, that's that's what I want. Like, I want you to continue what you do, do what you're doing. But I want you to do it for our clients as well. And I want us to start doing things ourselves. Like what if we start launching our own brands? Well that's always been one of my goals, mm-hmm. right? Like how do we apply what we do for our clients for our own brands? Mm-hmm. Years ago we launched a brand called Urbio, right? Yeah. And it's really fun little magnetic pots that you can organize stuff or plant stuff in. We went on Shark Tank and um, did well, you know, grew the brand to like 3 million and then and then sold it. And and that gave me that appetite of like mm-hmm. ooh, like I want to I want to create my own brands. And so what Dave and I did is we came to a place where um, it just made so much sense to join Pattern and to be part of that, to be able to offer creative to their partners and then eventually start acquiring brands that are doing well, but need to be rebranded, redesigned, and relaunched. Acquire those brands, bring them into the pattern ecosystem. We come in and do the enlisted, you know, process, the yeah. enlisted magic, and then relaunch them into Pattern. And then we come in, we use the data to understand where white space opportunities are. That obviously are going to be non-competitive to our clients, but like white space opportunities, and then start launching our own brands and products into those, into those categories. So that's what we're doing, and we just acquired our first company uh, about a month ago, in the health and beauty space, and uh, we're in the process of rebranding, repositioning, redesigning their entire product line, and um, and and we already have. You know, some Isn't good traction it? there. So glad you asked that question. Yeah, That's fun. exciting. It's fun. Yeah. Like this is the future of design. Yeah. It really is. Like use the data. Understand what yeah. consumers are searching for. Because mm. what they'll tell you is one thing, but sometimes they'll tell you what they think you want to hear. Yeah. That doesn't happen on Amazon reviews. Mm-hmm. They are brutal. <laughs> <Very> vo- <laughs> vocally and vocal and honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. let's mine millions of those reviews mm-hmm. to understand exactly what consumers are searching for. Then let's go in and mine the data, the historical data of what they're actually searching for. And now all of a sudden gives us a PRD to say, mm-hmm. this is exactly the product that needs to launch. Let's go launch it. That's amazing. It's well, amazing, it, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a
1: much more complete, I mean, what's so appetizing about it yes. for you was this complete, it, you didn't even know it was gonna come, right? Didn't even know, had no idea. And. You be interesting to see what's going to come in the next five or 10 years, right? That you don't know yet. Um, But to complete that picture, um, I want to move on to a question around, you mentioned the importance of, you know, your hesitancy was even about protecting the team, right? The culture. Yeah. I'm going to go down that avenue in a minute. Do you have anything else more about pattern?
0: No, other than I just want to make a a comment to that, Mm. that it's like in the truest form, that exploration, that that thing that you're going towards is as is, is next level as it gets, and mm-hmm. I just want to continue pointing that dot back to, I mean, it's so cr- core to your your, your story, and, yeah. and it's, it's, it right. is it's amazing to think about 10 years, like, what is going to be that next level, and I don't know, I have, n- I have no idea where you're gonna be. Yeah. But you're gonna be doing something Oh, just, for sure. Just amazing. Well, I'll but tell yeah. you what the next 10 years look like. Okay. So I'd <laughs> say this is
2: the first time in my career that I've had visibility into the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, okay. Really? And because of the data? Is that what you're well, saying? Because or?
2: of the infrastructure that we've built mm-hmm. between Enlisted and, and Pattern. Right. And and that we're building. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, It's a we're writing the book. No design agency right. and data analytics e-commerce platform have ever come together like this.
1: Mm. So you now s- start to
2: see the roadmap right Correct. before you. Correct.
1: Features that need to be and released. we're writing
2: that roadmap, right? right? And what that looks like mm-hmm. is, is Enlisted will continue to consult for our clients, right? But we'll get to the place where we're just selecting the clients that we really, really can make an impact on, mm-hmm. okay? And our core focus goes, fr- goes from all clients to part clients, part owned brands. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be acquiring and launching our own brands just boom, 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 one after another, right. and we'll have brand managers and sales and marketing and design and everything within this infrastructure that we 're building hmm. to support these brands and their growth
1: that's amazing, yeah, that's great, and I think that makes me think a couple of things, but the well, first of all, it makes me wonder, so for a while you've you really is it true to say then for a while you've had to take on clients that maybe aren't necessarily disrupting for, for yeah. a period for that yeah. partnership to work mm-hmm. but the roadmap shows very clear space where you have more selection yeah, yeah right? for sure that's what it sounds like for sure but the, the entire journey though sounds like even get back to swell um the concept of the word swell is that you're actually on a journey and and, and this is all about momentum and movement yeah. Oh, yeah. right and the pieces of the puzzle are coming together yeah. in a way that you maybe just could never have imagined mm-hmm. um and so yeah i find that really super interesting i think from a the thing you mentioned about the culture and the next level culture that you have. Tell me a bit more about like your your beliefs around culture and how that does impact on mindsets and behaviors and maybe your own brands that you disrupt. Mm-hmm.
2: So culture is an interesting thing. It's a very broad topic, right? Mm. People are like I'm the chief chief culture you know officer. Like we. When I started Enlisted, I did not sit down and write a script for what our culture is going to be. Mm -hmm. But what our culture is, is that we are, um, we're entrepreneurs at the core. Always have been. Okay, from a business model, to like what we're doing with Pattern, to the way that we partner with our clients, to the types of projects that we take on and the brands and products that we launch. Very entrepreneurial. Uh, We work as hard and as fast As we ever have 13 years in okay Uh, and i think that that's that kind of that insatiable desire Mm. for for growth and learning at the oakland studio we have a framed um picture with just very simple type Uh, it says thank you for believing and that is a big part of our culture Mm. both for our, our staff right we're about 40 people between the two offices and there is this 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 degree of or this belief that we are all in this thing together. Kind of like a startup feels, Mm. okay? That it's not just the bow show, that it's all of us as enlisted who are doing this thing together. And as one designer succeeds, you know, all ships rise. And we believe in that. And, And it's not uncommon at enlisted for somebody to finish up their work at, you know, six or seven in the evening and instead of packing up their bag and running for the door, they turn to the designer next to them and say, hey, I'm done. Do you need help with anything? Like, who does that? Mm-hmm. But enlistees do that. And it's, it's common that they do that. And now they do it over Slack, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> everybody's at home. Yeah. Um, and so the culture is this, we're all in it together. We believe in what we're doing. We believe that we're making a difference for the brands that we work with and for the products that we create, the experiences that we create. And ultimately, the real purpose is for us to create an environment where designers are going to have the opportunity to do their best work Mm. that they'll ever do in their career. And that's something that we talk about often. Like, what's the purpose, internal purpose of Enlisted? It's to create that environment where designers are going to be. And not just designers, account people, Mm. strategists, like, where employees are going to probably be pushed the hardest that they ever Mm -hmm. will in their career. Mm -hmm. And from that, they're going to grow the most. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do their best work. And they'll always, you know, ultimately everybody leaves at some point, right? And when they do, my goal is that they look back at their years and Enlisted and think, you know what, those were probably the hardest years, but the best years because that's where I grew the most as a person and as a creative.
1: Yeah, that sounds like... I mean, even your background of teaching, Mm -hmm.
2: you have a desire
1: to, to I mean, you know, yes, stretch people, do the greatest work, but I mean, through that process, you're really building individuals that are going to be capable of much more than they were at the beginning, right? Very much so. Um, Would you say that your culture uh, matches, perfectly matches the extraordinary experiences you provide your clients? Um, Is it Nearly there. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm wondering. Just, you know, uh, when we talk to even with Bentley, you know, th- they talk about these extraordinary experiences and products, and and they and that, and that is a massive advantage. The fact that you're doing very meaningful work that not every company and employee has the opportunity sure. to do that makes a big difference because yeah. you must feel just so good about what you're doing. Um, but uh, is enough? You know, sometimes we put a lot of effort into that work for the client sometimes there are gaps right people aren't always perfectly happy yeah of course um, and it doesn't quite match that extraordinary experience yeah you're building it for the customer mm-hmm. um and, but maybe not so much for for the people or maybe it's just slightly less i'm, I'm just curious oh, to know no, that's
2: that's an absolute yeah, reality yeah. so yeah. last year um i was able to bring on uh, somebody who i had been talking to for about five years his name's nick barrett and he has ran four out of my five biggest competitor studios, hmm. okay? And so we were able to bring him on as managing director and, of Enlisted. And one of the first things that he did was say, hey, I wanna get a real grasp on how people feel about Enlisted. Hmm. And so we met one-on-ones with everybody in the company, and then he authored a, uh, a blind survey. And we put it out there, and it was, it was we, we dug deep, okay? On enlisted, mm-hmm. on their experiences, on everything from salary to hours, to projects, to collaboration, to communication to benefits, so you name it. It mm-hmm. was all in there. And it was our first ever employee engagement survey that we've done at Enlisted. And so when we think about the experience that we're offering our mm-hmm. clients, you know that's our outward facing mm-hmm. element of the brand, okay? Um, but our inward facing, Needs some work, some TLC. It does. It really to get does. to the next level, right? To get to the next level, and so um, that was very enlighten- enlightening mm. to to get that data, right? To understand, and some of it was numeric data, and a lot of it was qualitative. Mm. Um, that uh, people did a lot of writing. So almost every question was like rank, you know, one to five or A, B, C, and then almost every question had a write-in. Mm. And I was amazed and so happy that people wrote. Mm. So we had a ton of insight into what is the day-to-day experience both good and bad at enlisted and then we created a a subcommittee of seven um, employees from every group within the studio and we're just tackling you know we made our top five priorities that we're gonna tackle this year and we're making changes immediately and some will take Mm. a year or years Mm -hmm. to change Mm -hmm. and other things we can change immediately Um, and so we're working on it you know work in progress was it uncomfortable? For sure it was. <laughs> For sure it was. What, 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 was there one thing not the uncomfortable bit? I didn't get bit? to take the survey, by the way. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> you should be able to do that, surely. No, um,
1: it may have skewed things a little bit. <laughs> was there one thing that stuck out, that positive or constructive, whatever? But one, like one theme that you really wanted to get to the next level, that you're working on internally. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean. There's a number of things. I think that the number one thing that we need to focus on is balance, mm. right? It's just balance, work-life balance, stress balance. Mm. Um, what are we offering? How do we offer the best all the time, but in a way that is is balanced? It's kind of like what I said earlier, easiest, right? right? It's like, I have a tough time balancing things. I'm all in. Like, if I'm gonna take something on, I'm all in. Mm. And so, you know, that's great. And that makes us who I am and who we are. But we need to find that balance to be to be healthy, so we're working on that.
0: That's great. Well, we were, I think, told that there's a story about oh yeah the move from your old Oakland, Oakland office yeah. to the new Oakland office that I guess is a pretty good story. We don't know the
1: Whoa. what makes it a great story, but
0: maybe how you did, know. Did you, how did you
2: know? How did you hear about this? Well, this is great. This is all about dis- it's all about discovery. <laughs> So the, I, what I assume you're referring to is um, I'm pretty scrappy and uh, financially frugal, um, and we run a tight ship that way. And so um, <laughs> it, we're all strong people. We're healthy young people. You do it yourself, right? Let's yeah. move. Yeah. And so we did. I rented a U-Haul, and we packed stuff up, and we moved it out. And uh, there was one designer who it was his first week, and um, – <laughs> We needed some help kind of holding things up in the back of the truck, and so we had him hop in the back of the truck and hold things up while we drove <laughs> to the next location, and we camped out. So what it was, is it was not that we moved from one studio to the other. We've been in the same location for, for 13 years, but we started with one of the offices in, on the second floor of this building, and now we've taken over the entire floor. And so four years ago, when we took over the whole floor, we gutted the entire thing and rebuilt it to to what, you know, to the physical, um, uh, spatial experience that we needed at Enlisted. And so we moved out into a temporary spot where we were all in one room about this size, no windows, no daylight. It was awful at a temp <laughs> space. And so what we did is we had to move the stuff over there and then move it back in. And we did a lot of the demo ourselves. We grabbed sledgehammers and knocked down walls, and um, it just we did you know we did a lot of the work ourselves. And you know, of course, we had a contractor come in and build out the space and everything. You did that one, right? Yeah, we did that (laughs) one. Uh, But I think that's probably it. Was just the, the this DIY nature, right? It's like, hey, we're gonna do it ourselves. Let's go. Yeah. We're capable. I like that
0: scrappiness. Yeah. Bond, it's, it's bonding as well. It though, is, is, is bonding. A, yeah. It
2: totally is. And so when you see those photos, you know, some people cringe <laughs> and some people are like, that was awesome.
0: Remember when Dane was
2: sledgehammering that wall? <laughs> you know? So I think what we've done as we've matured as a company is realize that, yes, we can do it ourselves. And this mm. is kind of my, this is what I needed, to, how, one way I needed to grow is, yes, we can totally do it ourselves, but where's our time better spent? Is it better spent Creating better experiences for our clients and their consumers, or is it better spent packing ourselves up and <laughs> moving and sledgehammering and you know manual laboring? Yeah. Now obviously, let's do what we're here to do. Yeah. So we do a little bit less of that <laughs> these days.
1: It had some purpose, right? But yeah, you, you said sure. find the easiest way to do things, probably. Yeah. Right. That's great. Um, well, if people, we thank you so much for coming. By absolutely. the way, absolutely, it's great. Uh, we love just chatting to we We're super excited about this this conversation. Uh, getting to know you much better, uh, and what makes you tick. Um, if people want to contact you, uh, individuals, companies, what, how would they do that?
2: Yeah, so enlisteddesign.com, our website. We've got a portfolio there. It's it's not the latest work. The work that we do is so future casting right. that it's it's tough because you look at our portfolio on the mm-hmm. site, and I love our portfolio. Like it's really fun work, good work. Um, but I'm like, oh man, we did that forever ago. So. Website's a great place to come and you know get a feel for the work that we right. do and, and they can contact us through through the site. Um I'm also very open, so people can contact me directly, Bo at enlisteddesign.com. Um and I do my best to to filter through and, nice. and respond. So
1: wonderful. Lucy, you've been listening.
2: <laughs> yeah. we do. So yep, at enlisteddesign <laughs> is our Instagram. Uh and then also LinkedIn, Enlisted Design or Bo Euler.
1: We'll probably cut this bit out, but this is my daughter speaking over there. Do you have a question?
2: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Any killer question? (laughs) Stance is great.
0: Yeah, yeah. It gets annoying after a while. I just yep. like, stopped pressing
2: them. Like, yeah, I cool. love <laughs> yeah, been great. That's been a fun one. Really fun to help that company grow from like, oh, yeah. you know, them being like, hey, we've got this little technology that we want to use to like mm-hmm. now, you know, 50% market share yeah. and just kind of owning the category. Yeah. Really, so, like, really I fun.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. The best ones great, yeah,
2: for sure. <laughs> well, thank <It's> you. <laughs> you. I appreciate sorry, that. I just the same ones. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is, is there uh, any, like, just from our perspective, you know, just to better understand kind of where you're at, is there anything that you, you hoped we had asked? Like, mm. anything that you want, like, that you were just like, I want to talk about this. If I'm going to be in an interview right now, sure. I really want to talk about this. Sure. Is there anything, yeah? Gosh.
2: I, I feel like you guys did your homework. Well, well done. <laughs> well done. I, I would say one thing that's topical to, um, to Salt Lake and to the Utah community, uh, you know, one, of, one element of that kind of insatiable desire for growth has been the way that we have selected where we invest, like where we land. And um, Oakland was our first step in that, right? Like my previous business partner and I had worked in San Francisco for years. San Francisco is the design mecca. Like, okay, great. That's awesome. So why oakland well i saw oakland as the next the next city like there was going to be a rise there and there has and so we were able to establish ourselves as the design agency in the east bay and in, in oakland and that's been a, a clear differentiator for us and then you know years go by and i and i looked at i was looking at different markets we serious took a serious look at portland okay and opening up a second studio in portland because I always want to, I want to not only understand, but be part of what's next. And so asking the question, like what cities are next? Like who, who's rising next? And so after Oakland, I looked at Portland, Austin, um, we looked back East a bit, uh, but ultimately, you know, we even though there are some great creatives in Salt Lake and there's a really cool community here, no agencies from San Francisco or New York had come into Salt Lake. And we kept doing more and more work here. And this whole Silicon Slopes thing was happening. And and it was like, it was beyond awareness, right? It was like, whoa, there's something big happening and I want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And so even though, you know, my roots are in, in California and always have been, um, we, I kind of started falling in love with the entrepreneurial scene here in Utah. And it's it's just so refreshing. And, and that's funny. I think it's funny hearing that from somebody from San Francisco or from the Bay Area because it's like, well, it's Silicon Valley, like, it's the birthplace of innovation. But I would say that there's an even greater entrepreneurial spirit in Utah and some of these emerging kind of rising cities than in, in the Bay. And so, yes, our headquarters will always be Oakland. And I love Oakland and the Bay Area, San Francisco. Like, I love it, right? Like, that's my roots. Um, but it's been really, really fun to be part of this, this uprising in the Silicon Slopes that's happening in utah and to come in here and just play nice and and offer a whole nother level of design uh to the companies here that are growing and that's been really fun
0: is there is there a
2: third (laughs) Um, overseas (laughs) we've had opportunities yeah no yeah so we've had opportunities in the UK. We we do a lot of work with um, a an audio company in Copenhagen, and they've asked us, you know, hey, what do you think? Like, you know, could there be a third, fourth, fifth location somewhere at some point? Possibly. Um, my my core, core focus over the next really five years is to build something that's never been built before, and that's what we're doing with Enlisted and Pattern. That's awesome.
0: Well, you know, can we have you back on at some point in that journey? You Absolutely. Know, maybe it's a year or? Two years, I don't know, but we would love to follow up with you on that journey and just continue to just learn from you and and share that story, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, you guys. It's been fun. All
2: right.